We're going to be reading Mark 16, 1 through 8. We also have some Bibles on the front of the pews. So if you want to grab one and just look it up for the scripture, or you can just follow up on the, on the screen. I'm going to be reading in Spanish, and you guys just can just read uh, up on the screen. Cuando pasó el día de reposo, María Magdalena, María la madre de Jacob y Salomé, compraron especies aromáticas para ir a ungirse. Y muy de mañana, el primer día de la semana, vinieron al sepulcro, ya saliendo el sol. Pero decían antes, sí, ¿quién nos removerá la piedra de la entrada del sepulcro? Pero cuando miraron y vieron removida la piedra, que era muy grande, y cuando entraron en el sepulcro, vieron a un joven sentado al lado derecho, cubierto de la larga ropa blanca, y se espantaron. Mas él les dijo, no os asustéis, busquéis a Jesús Nazareno, el que fue crucificado, ha resucitado, no está aquí. Mirad el lugar en donde se pusieron, pero id, decir a sus discípulos y a Pedro, que él va delante de vosotros a Galilea. Ahí le revestís como os dijo. Y ellas se fueron huyendo del sepulcro, porque les había tomado temblor y espanto. Ni decían nada a nadie, porque tenían miedo. May God's word shape us and form us. Amen. Amen. Christ is risen. Oh man, we can do better than that. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Awesome. That's great. Um, I got a little hot, so I took off my jacket. I hope you don't mind. But uh, I'm really excited. And not just because it's Easter. Uh, actually, every Sunday is Easter. Jesus Christ is alive every day, not just on Easter, not just once a year. Right? Every 365 days, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Uh, every day and all the time whether we recognize it or not whether we remember it or not whether we're feeling it or not Jesus is alive and he's moving and he's working he's working in your heart today he's working in the hearts of your loved ones your spouses uh, in your children and your mother your father your brothers your sisters your co-workers yes he is working in your co-workers and, uh, he's working and moving in your neighborhoods. He's working in our country and, and doing stuff and caring and having compassion for people. And so we just have to have eyes to see, to open our eyes and see that God is moving and Jesus is indeed risen. Amen. <coughs> I'm just going to read the scripture in English, and then we're going to roll. Mark 16, 1 through 8, this is the NIV version. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. 
He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So the first thing that we notice from this passage is that Mary, we see Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. And we've seen these women before in the gospel. They were followers of Jesus. Yes, they were disciples of Jesus. They followed him around while he was going from town to town and teaching. They met, they used their resources, their food, their money, and their finances to help support Jesus' ministry. They were Jesus' disciples. And oftentimes we forget this because we just think of the 12 disciples. But actually there are a lot of disciples and followers of Jesus that followed him. There were the 12, there were the 40, there were hundreds of people that went from town to town with him. And these women were around Jesus all the time. And these women were following Jesus. And we also remember that these women at the crucifixion were at the foot of the cross by weeping and mourning. And a lot of Jesus' followers had actually fled. I'm pretty sure Peter wasn't there, right? He denied Jesus three times. These women were there weeping and mourning when Jesus was dying. And here, in this passage, we see that the women at the crack of dawn, at dawn, are going to meet Jesus' needs, to go serve Jesus, to go and prepare his body for burial, right? To put the incense, the oils, and, and whatever they do to prepare the body, to preserve the body. They were doing something very practical. In the midst of mourning, when people uh, die in a family or uh, there's a death, a sudden death. A lot of times people, you know, turn to the very concrete or the practical. What can I do? Right? Because so much of life is out of control, right? So much of, if this is a really, you know, really like dearly loved person and it's a sudden death or an unexpected death, right? That, that, that floor underneath you is dropped and you're grasping for something concrete, something practical, the details to maybe find order. And I imagine, yes, what can we do in this situation? What can we do in this mess? What can we do when the person, our rabbi, our teacher, our Lord, who we followed, who we believed in, who we hoped in, who we trusted in, who we placed all our trust in, is now gone? The tables are turned upside down. It's chaos. A lot of our friends have fled, and there's nothing to be done. All I can do is get some of this ointment and to and anoint Jesus, right? And so they're going at dawn, and what's the question that comes up? Yeah, how are we going to move the stone? How are we going to move the stone? Who will roll the stone away? They don't have like five big strapping men. These are big stones to cover the, the tomb. And I bet that the soldiers actually put an extra big stone there because there's all this talk of the resurrection and Jesus himself said, I'm gonna raise in three days, I'm gonna die and be raised in three days. 
So they want to make sure that there aren't anyone, there isn't anyone who's going to come in the dead of night and steal the body of Jesus, right? And so there's a huge stone, and these women are like, they're going, but all the details aren't taken care of, right? And if you're like me, I'm kind of a worrywart, and I get anxious. What happens when there's something big coming up and not all of the details are taken care of? On top of that, your emotions are running high. Whether it's a wedding, a funeral. My wedding, I was so stressed out. My neck muscles, Matt was there, my neck muscles were just clamped. And then right after we left the, uh, the dinner, all of a sudden, it just all loosened up. And I'm like, we're going to Hawaii, right? <laughs> um, and everything was lifted. But I was so worried about the details. And I'm not always the most detail-oriented person. And, and my wife, Janice, wasn't really like, she, didn't, she wasn't really like the, I've been planning my wedding for 20 years since I was four, right? She's not a scrapbook type of person. She's a gamer. <laughs> so we're both like, wedding! Right? But we are really worried about the details and anxious and anxious. And does anyone get anxious in this room? You get worried. You get anxious. And the details keep, you're just worried about the details. How's this going to happen? How's this going to happen? And you just want to break down and cry sometimes, right? Just one little thing will push you over the top. Like the other day, in this, I was in a rush. I was late. And I was speeding through the road, and there's a yellow light, there's a car in front of me, I'm like, this guy is gonna go through the yellow light, because I'm going through the yellow light. And they stop really suddenly, and I'm like, ah, right, I can't repeat what I said. And pastors do feel those things, and do say things slip up sometimes, but I'm not gonna repeat it here. But I got, so that, that anxiety came up and that stress. Who is going to move the stone for us? I remember when I was a child, uh, my mom and dad were separated for a time. And, uh, and this is like the earliest memory. And all I could, all I can remember, I was with my mom and my brother lived with my dad. And I remember being at some church, some prayer meeting with my mom, and she was carrying me around. And she didn't have a car, and it was late, and I remember her asking different people, can I get a ride home? My, my kid is tired. And people were saying, oh, I'm going this way, I'm going this way. And finally, uh, someone gave us a ride. And I, I remember feeling my mom's anxiety and feeling her worry, like there's something big missing in our lives, Some, someone who used to take care of us or used to be there, the father figure, was gone out of our lives. And that night, uh, sleeping in the bed, I remember hearing my mom cry. And as a young kid, I really internalized that. And I, man, the worry. And I, I think these women are feeling that in their anxiety, they turn to the detail that's missing. Who is going to roll the stone away? We've got nothing. It's over. 
do? Have you ever been in that place with your finances, in your relationships, in your families? What do we do? I don't have an answer. There's nothing that's gonna save us. That floor has fallen away. How heavy is the stone that you carry on your shoulders? Or rather that boulder? And does your back bend over under the weight? We all have worries and anxieties. When can I get those new tires for my car? Because the tread is going bald. How long will I need to work before I can retire? For me, it's like 80, 85. <laughs> will I have a retirement? <clears throat> what do I do? My kid is acting up in school. Right? My teenager is doesn't want to be around me, doesn't want to talk to me, is making the wrong friends. What do I do? My work. I can't stand the place that I work, right? But I need to be there because I have to make ends meet. But I feel trapped. But in the midst of this is the greatest word of all scripture, right? In verse four. But, right? <laughs> One T, but. When they looked up, they saw that the stone, right? In Ephesians, there's a great but. But God, right? But God. When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Everything that they were concerned about, the thing that they were focused on, it was free. It's like that envelope of cash you got in your mailbox that was from an anonymous person. That day when those times when you were struggling, you're like, Woo! God loves me. It's about at our wedding, it's like, oh, I didn't plan cleanup. Oops. What are we gonna do? And I got a plane to catch. And that friend that just stepped up and said, hey, you, 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 you do this. And I was like, so thankful. Just a release, a relief. What a boon, I hit the jackpot, a lottery. The stone is rolled away. That's but. God is the but in our life, right? He comes and changes things. He comes and surprises us. He comes and takes, lifts those burdens that you've been worrying about, that you've been anxious about, and he lifts it, and he takes it away, amen? Because Christ is risen, amen. Who will roll away the stone? God has rolled away the stone already. He has rolled it away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed. And the Greek here is translated, don't freak out. <laughs> I didn't really look up the Greek. <laughs> That's what I think it says. Don't freak out. Why are you freaking out? When your comfort is taken away, when the things you hang your hat on disappear, when disappointment strikes, when tragedy hits, what is your response in life? What is your go-to ice cream flavor? What is your go-to coping mechanism? What is your go-to addiction? 
What is your response when the floor falls out from under you? Are you alarmed in your life now? What are you freaking out about right now in this moment? I know it's right, it's always there, right? That thing is always there. Like showing that detention slip to your parents and having forged it, but then like, oh, I shouldn't have forged it. And you chicken scratch it out and give it to your parents. They're like, why is there a scratched out my signature on there? I'm like freaking out about that. Are you alarmed? Do you freak out? He is risen. And you know what? He is not here. He's not here. See the place where you laid him? See, look. He's not here. Touch it. Touch it. Feel it. He's not there. But instead, go. Tell the disciples of Peter, go ahead of you. And the key word is ahead. He is ahead of you in Galilee. And how many things, how many times in our lives do we hold on? I gotta go left, left, left. Do we hold on to the things in our past? That we hold on to the things that give us security and comfort. That we hold on to old habits, right? That are actually no longer giving us life. That have actually given us death. That actually aren't good for us. Or relationships, people in our lives that aren't good for us. And we keep holding on to them and not moving forward. We stay here. And somewhere else in the gospel, Jesus says, you cannot put, leave your hand on the plow and answer my call to follow me. You have to first, what? Let go of it and follow me. Because why? Jesus is not static. Jesus is moving. He's dynamic. He's alive, right? He's not dead. He's not an idol. He's not a statue. He's not a picture of an old girlfriend or boyfriend you're kissing. I miss you. Right? He's over there. He's moving. And he's calling us. He's calling us. He's calling us. He's alive. He is risen. He's ahead in Galilee. Go with them. Go over there. Let go of this. Let go of this tangible thing you're trying to find because it's not the answer. Amen? It's not whatever it is for you in your life. Let it go. Right? I love to show orders. Right? Because it's so deep. It's funny, but it's deep. And it's nasty sometimes, but it's deep. It's a show about people who just collect things. And finally, people intervene and say, Mama, I love you, but you got to clean the house out. And, but there's always something attached to why people are unable to let go of the thing. And then when you hit that moment where they break down and like, it's because ever since... I lost whatever I started hoarding. And you're like, why am I watching reality TV and crying? <laughs> this is like, I need better TV. <laughs> but it's like, there's something, right? There's something that makes us hold on. That's, that's our idol, that's our Jesus. That's the well that's full of dust and dirt. And we're like sucking it in and our lungs are dying. And Jesus is like, there's a well over there. And it's like clean, fresh water. Go and drink from it. 
stop being crazy.
Have you been in love? Or like, had that adventure? Oh my God. It's like that. Fear and ecstasy. Well, if you look in your Bibles, your Bibles may say other earlier manuscripts, right, have this alternate ending. Um, and, but most translations stop right at verse 8. And it makes sense because verse 8 is like, Mark is the only gospel. All of the other, the, the three other gospels, what? You actually get to see the risen Christ, right? And you actually have the, you know, doubting Thomas, doubting him. Christ actually, here, feel my hands and feet. You get to touch the risen Christ. But in Mark, with the ending at verse 8, you, you're left hanging. It's just the women leaving in trembling and fear and ecstasy. And you're like, what? 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 Did I see Jesus? Ah! Ah! The, the best way I understand this is this. Is people got a hold of it later. So, the, ending at 8 is the Korean drama. Right? If you watch Korean dramas, there ain't no happy ending. Right? You're like built up, there's this love story. The person dies with cancer. The end. <laughs> and us Americans who are used to Hollywood, we're like, where's the like epilogue, right? Where like everyone gets together, it's all resolved, it's a happy ending, and you even get the if it's a make for, if it's like a um, uh, what do you call it? Real life story? Reality. Or like a, based on a real story. Based on a real story, you get some of in the credits you get those mini stories like Later on, he went on to do this, and you're like, oh, yes, closure, 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 and then you Google it, and, oh, I want more of the story, more, more, right? More of the story, but Korean drama is like, boom, you're dead, it's over. It's like, there is no value for closure, there's no value for happy ending, and that's Mark right here, and then later writers are like, all right, we gotta like help people, you know. They have to actually see the risen Christ, and then you have to have them like Jesus give the commission and say, "Go and be my witnesses. Go out and be my witnesses." And you see them be good. Yay! Hip hooray! This one, they just leave in fear. The end. And I think this is good, actually, good writing, right? Because Mark is putting the onus on us. Now what? What are you going to do? What are you going to do now? As the gospel is put before you, what are you going to do? Right? As you are faced with maybe the truth that Jesus and God are not dead. He's actually not there. He's over there. And if I take a step that way, I may be taking a step towards new life. A renewed life. Ooh. Can anyone say, I want me some new life? I want me some new life. I want me some new life. It's over there where Jesus is going. It's over there. And you keep going as Jesus is going. I want me some new life. I want me some new life. I want me some new life. And you take that scary step towards Jesus. And that's discipleship. That's life, the life of faith. It's taking a step. 
It's not reading the Ten Commandments and following the rules and not smoking or cussing. Because I'd be in hell already. Right? I don't smoke or cuss right now. Well, maybe I cuss a little bit, but not in church. <laughs> but it's not about following these rules and then you'll make it to heaven. Because who made it to heaven then? You did. And no one can make it to heaven. Right? The whole point is Jesus brings you to heaven. Right? Jesus saves. Jesus is God, not you. Right? So faith then, we take it out of this paradigm, holding on to wood, holding on to things that are dead. And we take, we make a choice. It's a daily choice to be like, God, Jesus, I'm worried. I don't know what to do. Will you guide me? Will you help me? Will you lead me? God, this world is so jacked up. This world is jacked up. Right? Our country is messed up. What's going on in Washington? It's crazy. I'm not saying one or the other. It's just, it's just crazy, right? It's crazy. <laughs> well, I should be the right side. It's crazy. <laughs> Before that. <laughs> anyway, the point is, the choices are, right, right now. And Mark is presenting that choice. That's the gospel. What are you going to do? Jesus is going ahead of you. Will you go and be a witness to that and experience that with your life? Amen? Will you go and have new life today because he has risen? He has risen indeed. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, for your gospel. Um, but more than words, thank you for the true historical reality of your death and resurrection and the cosmic, cosmic um, implications of that. That you changed everything. You defeated death. You robbed the grave. And you are loving us today. And you are calling us, even in this moment, to take a step towards you because you want new life for us. So I pray for each and every person in this room that you'll grab a hold of our minds and our hearts and be moving us a step closer to you today. We need your help even to take that step because it's scary. And you don't want us to be do epic things or be like the epic Christian who like, memorizes all the Bible verses or whatever, living the perfect life, you just want us to take a step when, from wherever we are, take that step towards you. Wherever you are, take that step. Take that step. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When you came in, I, hopefully you got a flower. What kind of flower is it? Daffodils, you got a daffodil, and uh, mine's over here. I'll grab it. And this represents sp spring, new life. Like these, these are both flowers. So we have these in my yard, and uh, like for the most of the year, there's nothing. My yard is like ugly. And then in the spring, all of a sudden, these pop up, and like, where did they come from? Right? And that's Jesus in our lives. It's like ugly and barren, and all of a sudden, boom, life and beauty. And Jesus can do that because he's 
And so this represents new life in Jesus in your life. And what I want you to reflect on is how do I want new life? Or how is Jesus bringing new life? And maybe a part of that means what is that not life that you're clinging on to or that's been overwhelming you or that, that piece of worry or anxiety or your past catching up with you? What is that? And to just take some time to be like, I want to let it go. Help me, Jesus, to let it go. Let me give it to you. And then to cling to new life. This represents what new life does Jesus want to give you. And uh, as we're reflecting, you can feel free to come up and put that in there. There's chicken wire there, and it fits in there. Or you can take the flower with you home. Um, but we're going to take some time of reflection. Maybe we can add some background music and uh, do that, and then I'll come back. <coughs>